0: From the Journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Friday, March 10. Big news for full-time workers. There's a push for a four-day week with no pay cut. That's one of the recommendations in a new Senate inquiry report into work and care. The committee will also recommend a right for workers to disconnect from the office outside of their paid hours. While most Australians were in COVID lockdown, Hillsong founder Brian Houston and his family were living it up from Mexico to Saks Fifth Avenue. Independent MP Andrew Wilkie has presented thousands of documents to Parliament in what he says is fraud. Among the lavish purchases, at least $179,000 on private jets and 16000 on custom skateboards. Wilkie says Hillsong hid more than $80 million from the tax office. It's possible U.S. Navy-trained sailors will be crewing Australia's nuclear-powered submarines as Prime Minister Anthony Albanese prepares to announce a mammoth new deal. Australia is to borrow, buy and then build nuclear subs in collaboration with the U.S. and U.K. from as early as 2027. That's First Up. history. I'm going to right to Mars. The Hunt for Red October. It was the blockbuster thriller of the 1980s, the underwater drama, as terrifyingly silent, nuclear-powered submarines chased one another around the Atlantic.
1: This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington and New York, and no one would know anything about it until it was all over. Re-verify our range to talk. One ping only. Captain, I, I, I just. give me a ping, for silly. One ping only, please.
0: The book, The Hunt for Red October, by Tom Clancy, is now 39 years old. The smash hit movie, starring Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin, came out in 1990. And now, at last, Australia is about to join the Nuclear Submarine Club. On Monday, Anthony Albanese will join with US President Joe Biden and UK PM Rishi Sunak in San Diego to announce a mammoth submarine deal, fixing one of the most glaring gaps in our defence strategy. First, Australia will begin rotating US nuclear subs through our ports from 2027. Then we'll purchase between three and five Virginia-class nuclear subs from the United States, and then, the biggest deal of all, the development of a joint Australian-UK sub, based on Britain's plans for the next generation of super-advanced vessels. Why nuclear subs? Because they are the ultimate stealth weapon. In the black depths of the ocean, submarines can only be detected by sound.
1: They can stand the water almost indefinitely, really. The importance of that is that they're very hard for any enemy to detect. They don't know where they are at any point in time. They can just spring surprises on an enemy. They can go from here to China without surfacing.
0: That's Cameron Stewart, our Chief International Correspondent. He's been reporting on submarine warfare for his entire career. In the age of satellites and drones, there's nowhere to hide on the surface of the ocean. Any potential adversary, like, say, China can see a fleet coming from half a planet away. A conventional submarine has to surface frequently to do something called snorkelling to run the diesel engines that power its batteries. It also has a limited voyage time before it runs out of fuel and has to return to port. Nuclear subs are powered by a reactor on board the boat itself, which generates steam to turn turbines. That means, in theory, They never have to surface. How are you with confined spaces? We have always been at war. Unless, of course, like in the UK action series Vigil, there's a brutal murder on a nuclear sub and a beautiful but damaged police detective has to come on board.
1: Virginia-class submarines are basically the main attack-class submarine of the US Navy. They're big boats. They're very, very effective. They can go long, long periods underwater. They have a massive range. They're really pretty much the best attack-class submarines in the world, I think. And so to get these submarines would be a massive boost for Australia's defence capability. Now the question, of course, is we've got to get enough crew to crew them and people to operate them and maintain them. That's a challenge. But should we actually get these boats up and running properly with mostly Australian crews? then that would be a very good, very big deterrent factor in the region.
0: So, why has it taken so long? Until not so long ago, Australia's strategic outlook was focused on a mainly peaceful region where our most likely adversary was a terror group like ISIS. Now it looks more likely we'd be involved in a war against an adversary like China in our own backyard.
1: There was a sort of inertia, if you like. We must do something about the submarine fleet, but it always got put off till tomorrow, you know. It's expensive, it's complicated, and no one actually had the political will to push it. Whereas now, obviously, given the deteriorating circumstances in the region, there's a much more of an impetus and a much more of an urgency. And that's why you're really seeing this push now. But the trouble with submarines is you can't just make political decisions every couple of years. It's a very long-term project. So the indecision over the last decade has really come back to bite us.
0: Coming up, the hunt for submariners, willing and able to go deep.
1: My name is Manny Karoudis, and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing. In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts.
0: Nuclear submarines are not just stealthy, they're highly complex machines that will need a crew of expert engineers. That means years of training, tertiary degrees, postgraduate nuclear study, and naval warfare expertise. Even the most junior crew on a nuclear sub will require years of study before they can go to sea. You'd also have to imagine that a submariner who's willing to board a nuclear-powered submarine you know, also has to be willing to be away from home, underwater in very close quarters with other people for a year, you know, maybe even longer. That's a special kind of person, presumably hard to find.
1: Yeah, and that's been a real challenge for Australians uh, in the past because a lot of these engineers who are very qualified to work on submarines. They're also very much desired by the mining industry in Australia. So whenever you have a mining boom in Australia, the Navy gets sort of pillaged, if you like, of these people. And it's very hard to fill the submarines with these people because they go to the mining industry. So, you know, that's a challenge Australia has. So what they've tried to do is pay a hell of a lot of money to submariners. They're pretty well paid now because they get all sorts of bonuses to try and entice them, as you say, to stay in the Navy, but also to spend, you know, a long time away underwater, away from their families. It's a pretty unique kind of life and it's a bit of a challenging one. So they need to pay a lot. And when you get the American, the larger Virginia class boats coming in, they're going to have to be paying a lot of people a lot of money to make sure they get crews to crew them.
0: This isn't just a matter of training up a bunch of Australians. There's widespread speculation the US and China could be at war over Taiwan within this decade. So it's possible we will need Americans to crew those boats that is, United States sailors in Australian vessels under the command of Australian admirals.
1: On current projections, we won't have enough nuclear-trained people, engineers and the like to actually operate and maintain the Virginia-class boats and crew those boats when they are supposed to arrive here in the mid-2030s. And so we're going to have to rely a lot on Americans to do that. And it's interesting because the first couple of Virginia class boats that come here will almost certainly be majority crewed by Americans. So you're going to have Americans crewing a boat under an Australian flag. It's going to be a very interesting sovereignty concept that the government's going to have to work through because it will really be very much joint submarines for a long time with increasing, a small but increasing number of Australian crew on them until you finally get to the point where Australia has enough crew, well-qualified nuclear-trained crew to actually drive these boats. And that will take a long time. And so do they fly under an Australian flag? I guess they have to. They can't fly an American flag otherwise, um, they're not really Australian boats.
0: Back when Cameron Stewart was a young defence reporter, he made his name breaking stories for the Australian that made our Navy very uncomfortable. Our Collins class conventional subs were kind of lemons.
1: Well, this is one of the things with building submarines all around the world, frankly. Once you get the first of any type, and the Collins class was a first of type, you just have problems. Australia had never built submarines before. It was a new design, a challenging design. And what happened was they made mistakes. It was famously described as like listening to a rock concert under the ocean. Now, submarines are supposed to be silent under the ocean. But early on, they had a lot of problems with noise, a lot of design problems, a lot of building problems. They were late, they were over budget, and they got a bad reputation. Now, what happened subsequent to that is that basically, fixed up a lot of those problems, but they still couldn't fix up the sustainment issue. And so we had six submarines that literally you could only put about two of them to sea at any one time. And there was one time in 2011, I remember reporting on the fact that not a single submarine could be put to sea. And subsequent to that, the government put a lot of reviews in progress and they've improved the sustainment of the commons class submarine. So now they are working quite well, even though they're getting older and they're good submarines, but the trouble is we haven't got many of them and we're going to need a lot more of them.
0: It's been about 15 years since Australia acknowledged we needed a future replacement for the Collins class. But, as Cam says, successive governments have sat on their hands.
1: Under Kevin Rudd's government, they actually advocated the doubling of the size of the current submarine fleet in Australia. And that was simply never done. Under Labor governments and then Liberal governments, They never did it. In 2016, finally, the government came together and said, OK, we are going to get a submarine. They had the design competition between three countries, Germany, Japan and France. They chose the French design.
0: French President Emmanuel Macron has called Prime Minister Scott Morrison a liar
1: on the sidelines of the G20 summit in Rome. And of course, we know what happened to that because 18 months ago, AUKUS was formed
0: Australia signs an historic security pact with the U.S. and U.K. paving the way for our nation to build nuclear-powered submarines.
1: And that knocked the French design out of the park, basically. And so Australia needs a solution. And this AUKUS announcement, which we're going to hear in San Diego on Monday, is supposed to be that solution.
0: Don't forget, you can hear the front every morning in your smart speaker. Just say, play the news from The Australian. And to get the world's best journalism from our expert team, just like Cameron Stewart, check us out at theaustralian.com.au. Thanks for joining us on The Front. Our team is Kristen Amiot, Leah Tzamaglou, Tiffany Dimac, and Jasper Leek. And our music is by Jasper Leek.